Welcome to the PG Daily. This season is dedicated to financially empowering the residents of Prince George's County. Join our host, Heath Carelock, as he sits down with several financial experts to discuss ways for you to find money, make money, and better understand money. Get ready to be empowered. Today's guest is Patricia Davis. Welcome to our latest episode of PG Daily Podcast, the Financial Empowerment Center at Prince George's Community College Edition. And we're joined today by Mrs. Patricia Davis, author, connoisseur of education, knowledge, and wisdom, and finance. So welcome to the set, Ms. Patricia Davis. Thank you. Um, First of all, why do people go broke? Why do people run out of money? How is that even possible? Why would a person do that to themselves? Most people don't intend to go go broke. They end up doing things that they want to do, and then the next thing they want to do, and the next thing they want to do without a plan. They don't look forward and down the road and say, if I do all five of these things, I'm going to end up broke. But no, I can afford to do the first one, have some money left or credit left. I can afford to do the next one. And they get to a point where they say, oops, I guess I have gone too far. What are the dumb things that smart people do with money that would otherwise they would find repulsive, repugnant? I choose not to use the word dumb things. I prefer to say what are some of the not so smart things that people might do that cause them to end up with less money than they wish they had. I think the most important thing that people need to think about is why they're not willing to wait. That's what causes so many issues that they end up having to deal with later. They, many people try to keep up with the Joneses. And in today's world of the internet, Joneses has taken on a very different meaning. When I was growing up, keeping up with the Joneses meant keeping up with people at church or at school or in your neighborhood. And now you look on social media and you see what people are doing practically worldwide. People you know, people you don't know, the restaurants they're going to, the vacations they're going on, the food they're eating, the clothes they have, and all of that. So many people want to use that as their standard for what everybody else is doing, the red bottom shoes, the expensive purses, that kind of thing. And that's what they then believe is important for them to do. So many people don't make any long-term plans. So if you're always short-sighted, then you're just looking at what's right in front of you and you don't realize, you know, I'm going to run out of money before I run out of month. And that's a pretty significant thing. So those are some of the things that people do. What should a person do when they run out of money? I mean, have you ever been there? Are you one of the people who you're a big time advocate now for behaviors that you didn't initially espouse and want to go back and 
correct the record and make others better. Are, are you one of those or did you find this logic sooner? But, 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 but again, what can a person do when they do find themselves without money? Let me answer your second question first. My, the, the title of my latest book is Going Broke is No Joke. And people say to me often, have you ever been broke? And my answer is no, I have not. And I have not because I was raised in a household where we were taught the rules of the money game. And my mother, who was a young widow, put us all on allowances. And my mother worked for the federal government. She got paid every two weeks. We got our allowance every two weeks. And she made it clear to us that if she runs out of money before payday, she gets no more money from the federal government. So it was clear to us that if we ran out of money before allowance day, we got no more money. So we had to learn to live within whatever the amount of your allowance was. You could spend it all that day, give it away, save it. She didn't care what you did with it, but you got nothing more if you spent all of your money. So I have always had that as my basic MO. And fortunately, I married somebody who had that same kind of mindset. And together, we always worked within whatever it was we had. When we didn't have much, we didn't spend much. As we got more, we always say, when you can do better, you do better. So the answer to that is no. I'm not trying to, to recover from anything. Um, you asked me another question. When a person does run out of money, what can they then do? Well, there are a number of different things they can do. One, they can, if they're not employed, they can get a job. If they are employed, they can get a second job. If you run out of money, it is important that you sit down and look at where you are, what you have, and then work with somebody. If it's not somebody like me, it's somebody who whose knowledge and expertise you trust to ask them to help you take the resources that you do have and see how you can figure out how to how to get yourself out of this situation that you're in. If you have a lot of credit, then maybe you have to talk to your creditors to see whether you can have a reduced credit payment plan of some sort, but you've got to make some adjustments. It could mean changing your living conditions. Maybe you can't afford that house that you are living in or the apartment. You may have to get a roommate. You have a car that's costing you. Maybe you have to turn in that car and take public transit for a while. But you've got to sit back and look honestly at that situation and say, I've got to, I've got to do better. And it may mean some sacrifices you really don't want to make. How should everyday people save for retirement? realizing that um, 43% of Prince Georgians live at or below the poverty line or just above it. How can these everyday blue-collar workers and the working poor uh, save for retirement? And is that even a possibility? Well, everybody isn't working poor. So there are some people who are in that situation. There are, some, there are many who are not. The important thing is to plan, 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 plan. And that means plan for 
the age at which you want to retire, plan for where you want to live when you retire. The cost of living is different depending upon where you want to live when you retire. If you want to live in North Carolina, the cost of living there is very different than if you want to live in San Francisco. So you've got to have some sense of where you want to retire and that, and also how you want to retire. How meaning what standard of living you want to have when you retire. And when you do all of that, you then have to step back and put a dollar cost on those things to get some idea of how much it is going to cost me to live in retirement. And by deciding on the age at which you want to retire, you look at the average life expectancy and say, that's how many years I have to be able to fund myself in retirement. You will have perhaps some sources of income, Social Security, a pension, um, but then you've got to figure out what's that gap between the monthly Social Security and pension income I have and how much I think it's going to cost me a month to live. Then you say, well, how much do I already have? And that difference then lets you know how much more you need to save and divided by the number of years you have to retirement, and you know what you have to put aside each year. Now, if you are poor, according using your words, then the realization might be that you will not be able to retire, not for a very, very, very long time. And when you do, your standard of living just might change. <clears throat> so what are the steps to come back from being broke. Um, obviously, you have to identify that you have no money. And then what? I think a lot of the, the, the problems I see in financial counseling is when a person is pushed to the edge of their resources, their time, their energy, their money, that it's, it's more than just their money being broke. And so what are some recommendations on your end for how people can better organize and plan out their time and energy and how that might be able to influence their financial outcomes as well? well I'm not a psychologist, so I can't speak from that perspective. And often physical illness and financial illness are connected. So you might find a person who has really gotten what they feel is the bad end of a stick, also suffering from some physical ailments as well. But I think the thing the person needs to do is talk to somebody, again, just as we were talking about the plan for retirement, to talk with somebody who can help them stop and realize where they are today, talk about their financial goals, and most goals have a dollar sign associated with them, and then say, how can we together work you toward those goals? What are your skills to see what kind of jobs might be available? If you don't have a job now, how can, how can this person coach you so that you might be better qualified to get a job? It might mean you have to get some training from someplace in order to do what it is you say you want to be able to do and to be able to make the money that you need to make in order to, to 
achieve those financial goals. You may end up having to scale things back because for you, whatever that means, they may not be realistic. If my goal today were to have $100 million in the next 10 years, that is not a realistic goal for me. It might be for Will Smith. It might be for somebody else who is on that glide path. But I have to realize what is realistic for me. I really do hear people who are broke or come from a household where the influences in their family are ones that that aren't as positive. Uh, you hear situations where somebody, uh, a young person, is finally getting a paycheck and their parent confiscates it, basically, and decides to use it in a fashion all their own as opposed to as the actual student earner. And they don't want to inherit the habits of their parents or family members. What do you tell a young person who wants to break away from negative familial influences like that? One of the things that's so important is to get yourself educated. I was one of the lucky few. I now know we didn't think we were so lucky growing up because we thought our mother was mean and stingy. But she told us she was teaching us lessons to last a lifetime because almost every day she was teaching us something about money. But I encounter so many people who don't know anything about it. I had a young lady yesterday in a session who said, this is the first time anybody has ever taught me anything about budgeting. And this is a college student. So I think we have to get ourselves educated. And it's, it's unfortunate that there are only 18 states in the United States that require financial education as part of their core high school curriculum. There were 20, and two of the states pulled it back last year. So if the children can't learn it at home and they can't learn it in school, then they've got to seek out some forum through which they can learn. There's lots of information online now. So you have to want to learn and then be patient with yourself and then absorb what you're learning. Well, I stayed in the presentation you gave yesterday um, here at the college long enough to hear you say, you know, for just about everything, there's a set of directions. Um, But take out a dollar. Are there any directions on how to use it? And yeah, I'll borrow that one in the future. But uh, where, where did that come from? I am licensed to teach a program called Camp Millionaire. And in that program, we do games and play music and all of that, put together, put out financial principles. And at the end of the program, people have learned a lot. And that's the way we start that program. We put people in a semicircle. We take out a a, a bill. We, we're up to a $20 bill now. We started off 15 years ago with a $1 bill, but that doesn't impress anybody anymore. And we take this $20 bill and we pass it around the semicircle and we ask everybody to take a look at it and tell us what's missing. And people turn it over and they go back and forth and finally nobody guesses the right answer. And I'd say the instructions. 
You get instructions on how to use a microwave, how to use a printer, how to use a cell phone. But we use money every day, but we don't get the instructions. Can you Feel give free us, to use it. Yeah, I appreciate that because instructions are important and so are the, uh, the availability of such people in our lives, money mentors, personal mm-hmm. financial counselors, success coaches, and the list goes on and on. Um, tell us a story about someone you literally saw turn a corner. I know you mentioned a young lady yesterday, but that was more from a presentation standpoint. Tell us someone you've actually counseled, coached, worked with uh, closely and saw them turn the corner. And what was it? What was at stake for them? There was a young man who was a musician. He was single, had no children, and he traveled the world playing his music, and he made a ton of money. And when I met him, he had no money. I said, what happened to your money? He said, I spent it having a good time. Women, he didn't do drugs. He just had a good time. And his mother was somebody who I knew, and he said, my mother said, I need to talk to you. So we started having a conversation. He went away for a couple of years. And then he called me one day and he said, I'm ready to settle down. I want your help. He lived in New York at the time, I think. And he came down to the Washington area and I had him bring a lot of information. And we sat down and we put together a budget for him. And I remember one of the things I said to him was, you have an expense of a landline. You're never home. Why are you paying all this money for a landline? He said, I don't know. Boom, landline, gone. You have an expense for a car. You're never home. Car expense, gone. Probably within two years, he had about $60,000 in the bank. And he was so excited that he had money in the bank. He said, I should have listened to my mother years ago. I would have had even more. Wow. Wow. And you think most young people who are earning some income are able to make those types of adjustments? Absolutely. No question. All they have to do is stop and think. Do I really need this, want this? Is this necessary? And at the end of the day, the answer is probably no. So it's built around a behavior change of needs and wants and distinguishing those and whether or not something's necessary, needed, right? And so how how do you see people sort of work in that space? Are they uncomfortable? Do they look like they have the the, the knack to do it? Do they look like they're passionate about it? saying no to themselves, that's a big deal. Eliminating a choice or seeing it from a sense of I'm losing something or I'm, I can't go down this path again. How do you admonish someone and how do you look them in the eye and see whether or not they're being accountable to you in a follow-up session? If they're not being accountable, I have to find out whether they're serious And if they don't want to do what we've together agreed that they would do, then I have to be honest and say, you're wasting your time, you're wasting my time. And especially if they're paying me, you're wasting your money. And if they're not, 
I'm doing all this for free, and I could be working with somebody who might really appreciate it. But most people really don't want to want to give anything up, and that's something that I found. They will do this whole budget thing with you, but within, I'd say, after the first two months, they've gone back to some of their old ways. I go to the shopping mall with my husband, and he'll say, are you going to look in the Michael Kors store at all the stuff you won't buy? There is no reason for me to spend $1,000 on a purse or $500 on a purse. And for so many people, they will spend that money on a purse and then not have that money to pay a bill that they really should be paying. A friend told me she was in Tiffany's not long ago, and she heard two young ladies talking to each other, and one of them said, I love these diamond earrings. I have got to have these earrings. I just won't pay my rent next month. Mm. Okay, so she's sitting on the side of the road homeless, but with some mighty nice-looking earrings on. That makes no sense. But unfortunately, again, people want what they want when they want it. Um, One of the things I didn't say is I have a I shouldn't say I have a husband because I only have one husband, but my husband has a motto that I love, and it says, wait for it, work for it, and pay for it. Pay for it in cash. <laughs> well, you, you, right. can use some, you can use credit, but I say use credit for convenience, not for credit, not just to pile up a lot of credit. If I'm going to buy a refrigerator, I'm probably not going to take $2,000 in cash to buy this refrigerator. I'm going to buy it at Costco and get my points on my credit card or my Costco rebate or whatever it is, and then hopefully be able to pay for it at the end of the month. But most people can't. I I mean, I've been doing this for a while now, but most people can't spend $1,000 just because. So there's not anything wrong with it if it's an emergency. But it's not an emergency to have a Michael Kors bag. This podcast was recorded at Prince George's Community Radio, located on the campus of Prince George's Community College. The music for the podcast has been provided by David Smalls, and the PG Daily is executively produced by David Smalls. Join us next time for more financial empowerment.